0: We are in uh, chapter 45 of Core 52. If you are new around here, Core 52 is a, a book that we're using. You can buy it at, at our, our welcome stations. And the interesting thing about Core 52, it's 52 themes that, that, that are in the Bible that, that every, every Christian needs to know. And so uh, we're, we're on 45, we're not going in order, and we're in this series called Getting Right, and the idea is to get right with God. As you remember, a number of weeks ago, we started with, with Genesis, the fall, when sin was introduced, and that's our problem. We all have a sin problem, and, and so that's broken fellowship with God. But God has covenants, and that's our way to get back to God, and, and you know, when we follow His covenant, what happens? We're blessed. And so we want to do that, and we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about God has a predetermined path for us to go so that we can be with Him. Last week, Adam talked about that we are eternally secure, that there is nothing that we can do to, to, to cause God to, to let go of us. Okay? So, so today, we're going to talk about the one thing that drives all of this, and it's grace. Grace. Grace, And we're going to be in Luke 15. In this word grace, I heard a definition a long time ago, and it's God's unmerited favor toward us. God's unmerited favor toward us. And this is is just a simple definition. Now, that word unmerited means that it's undeserved, it's unearned. Okay? It means that we haven't done anything to deserve it. Pretty simple. Okay? So that is grace. Let me explain it to you this way. Let's say you're out in the parking lot and I walk up to you and I hand you a stack of $100 bills, $50,000. I don't know you, but I just say, here, that'd be grace, okay? That's undeserved favor because I don't know you. Or how about this one? What if I, 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 I walked up to you and I gave you the keys to a brand new truck? Don't know you? That's unmerited. You didn't earn the truck, I just gave it to you, okay? That's the idea, but it doesn't really fit when you talk about God's grace, because let me explain this to you. While I may not know anything about you, God knows everything about us. He knows what we did last night. He knows what we did 20 years ago. For those of y'all that are older, 50 years ago, He knows everything about us. He knows when we've rejected Him. He knows when we have sinned. He knows when we have turned our back and gone the other way. So, so this is all, all I'm saying to you today, is that God's grace is given to us, and it's undeserved, and, and, it's, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not deserved in any way. And He knows about our hearts, our minds, our actions, our thoughts. That's grace. That's grace. In fact, Adam used this verses last week, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 8, and, and, and this really explains it well to us. And This is what it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's nothing that we could do. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We can't boast except in the Lord that he gave us grace. That's it. So we're going to jump in right now into to, to Luke 15. It's a story of grace. It's a story you've heard probably if you've been around the church. It's the prodigal son. It's the lost son. And as we read this, I just really want you to see today. I really want you to see the grace of God for us. And, uh, and, and hopefully by the time we get through, you'll be ready to run to the Father. And you'll understand that he's running towards you. So let's jump in. Verse 11, Luke 15 and verse 11. This is what it said. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Let me tell you what the son said there. Dad, I wish you were dead. All of us that have kids have had our kids say things to us that are hurtful. I hate you. Well, this, this one was a hard one. I wish you were dead. I, I want my money now. And, and as the younger son, he would have only gotten a third. The older son got two thirds. But it's going to get worse because actions speak louder than words. Let's go on and, 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 and you know, he said to him, hurry up and die now and now see what he does. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living, moved to a distant land. This is complete rejection. This is complete rejection of the father. It would have been hurtful, heartbreaking, and embarrassing. It would have been hurtful, heartbreaking, and embarrassing. If you've ever had a child that got wild on you, that got off the rails, that went the wrong way, you know what it is, don't you? It breaks our hearts. It breaks our hearts, doesn't it? And, and, and let's just be honest, it's embarrassing. One of the things, and especially here in the South, um, this is what we do when our kids get wild, we make sure that nobody knows. Because it would be embarrassing. Been there, done that. We sang some words today, Run to the Father. And I I wrote them down. That song wrecked me. Um, It said, Done with the hiding. Do we ever hide things? Or this, I carried a burden too long on my own. I just have this thought, and I don't know. This, we're going off script for a little bit here. This wasn't planned, uh, but I hope you guys will forgive me. But I want to talk to parents for just a minute. When our kids get off, off the rails, when they get wild, when they head in the wrong direction... What if we were open about it? And what if people in the church could actually pray about that? Well, what if that were to happen? Do you think there might be a chance that we could see Satan defeated? Let, let, me, let me throw another one at you. What if we as parents, if we ever got together and decided, hey, our kids are headed in the wrong direction? Can we maybe join together on a Wednesday night while they're meeting or on a Sunday morning in the second service and get down on our knees and just call on God for them? The power of God would be released. And God would do some amazing things, I believe. And what if we even decided, hey, we're going to get together as parents and set some rules? Because this is what your kid does well, you know what? Johnny's parents let him stay out till two in the morning. Why can't I? What if all the parents said, hey, 12 o'clock, that's it, baby. And we know what his parents are saying because that's it. I, I don't know. Sorry, I got off here a little bit and I, I get a little emotional about this because I am so sick and tired of seeing Satan have his way with our kids. Okay. I'm, I'm so stinking sick and tired of that. So let's keep on going. Uh, Verse 13, uh, I mean, verse uh, 14. About this time, about this time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Wow, that's kind of a wake-up call, isn't it? Uh, His money ran out. And this is really what I want you to see is God is always working. God is always working and he can redeem even the worst of times. Uh, the, The guy's money ran out, he's starving, there's a famine. And you know what? God is working. I would just encourage you when things get bad, When things get bad, look for the hand of God because He's reaching out to you and He wants to guide you through that. Let's go on to verse 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to the fields uh, to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Whew. That's desperation for a young Jewish man to hang out with the pigs and to want to eat what the pigs were eating. And and desperation is that he was at the bottom of the bottom. If you've ever been there, you know when you're at the bottom, the only place you can do is look up. And boy, I tell you, that's a good place to be because that's the only way you can look for help at that point. And so so as I look at this and I think about it, it just reminds me sometimes we let people go to the depths so that they'll look up to God and to, to His people. Let's keep on going to verse 17. It says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, Even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father... I sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He came to his senses, and he remembered the goodness of God. Can I tell you what your kids are being taught if you have kids today? They're being taught about the goodness of God. My wife comes home and they have the memory verses and she does the the signs and she teaches three-year-olds and just about every single one of them is talking about the goodness of our God. You know, when you have that firmly in your mind, when it's right up here and when things go bad, what comes to your memory? The goodness of God. That's why we do it. That's why we invest in these kids and teach them about the goodness of God so that they'll remember him and hopefully they'll come running back to him. So he came to his senses, and he he simply remembered the goodness of God. And then in verse 20 it says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the sermon in a sentence, and I just want you to hear this. The Father, this Father is waiting. The Father is waiting. The Father is waiting. This is what it says in 2 Peter 3.9. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. as some think, no, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Did you catch that? The Father is waiting. I want you to remember what our Father is doing right now. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting on somebody to come to Jesus. Wow. And then in verse 22 of Luke, he says, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. You know what they're celebrating there? They're celebrating the resurrection. This kid was dead. This kid was lost, and now he's back. And if you go back to the beginning of this this parable, or these parables, there are three of them, and they're all about lost things. Lost sheep, lost coin, and a lost son. And at the end of them, guess what they all did? They all celebrated. And what was Jesus talking to? The the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders who thought he was crazy for hanging out with sinners. That's the prodigal son, and it says so much. But this is where I want to go back to. The sermon in a sentence, God is waiting. God is waiting. And and, and God is waiting. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Wants everyone to repent. That's what he's waiting on. So this is what I want to do real quickly here. I I want to give you four actions that God is waiting on us to take. You're going to find it right here in the passage. You're going to see it. And this is so important that if we were to catch it and see it and begin to do these actions, it will absolutely change us. The first action that God is waiting for us to do is to come to our senses, To come to our senses. This is actually uh, what it says in the New King James Version. And I, I like it. It says, but when he came to himself. But when he came to himself. The insinuation is this. In case you're wondering, he was not himself when he was away from the Father. He was out of his mind when he was away from his Father. That's what sin does to us. It causes us not to think clearly. It causes us not to be in our right mind. So actually what this says is, He came to Himself. He discovered Himself. I used to be a campus minister. And uh, this this is what would happen occasionally. I would have a student come into my office, and this is what they would say. Micah, I'm going to take a year or two off from school, and uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to find myself. At that point, I would always take off my glasses and kind of point at them. And I said, Now, what do you think you're going to find? And where do you think you're going to find it? Now, let me tell you, you usually find yourself at the beach or in the mountains or in some exotic tropical place, is their typical thinking. But here's what typically happened, is they lost themselves even more because they disconnected from the body of Christ. Um, Again, I I turn to my favorite theologian, and uh, it's my son. And and this is what he told me about this, this phrase, he came to himself. He said, and this is his text to me. He says, when we stray from the Father, we lose track of who we are. Can I get an amen there? Anybody strayed from the Father and lost track of who they are? When we seek the Father, we are most fully ourselves. Can I tell you where you're not going to find the Father? Where you're not going to find yourself? It's not going to be in a bottle. It's not going to be on the beach somewhere. It's going to be in his word, on our knees, with his people. Thank you, Jim. That's it. My fear, and uh, my fear is in this season, in COVID-19, a lot of people aren't coming back to church. And I believe it's because they've lost themselves They were separated from the body. And and, and now they need to come back to their senses. And and, and they need to get involved because, you know what, they're not going to find themselves sitting on the couch. They're not going to find themselves on the lake. The only place we're going to find ourselves is in his word, on our knees, and with his people. So I'm praying people would come to their senses. God's waiting for us to come to our senses. The second thing it says in this is that God's waiting for us to get out of the pig pen. Anybody ever been in a pig pen? (laughs) I didn't grow up on a farm, so I don't know a whole lot about this. I worked at a camp a number of years ago, and and, uh, at the end of every meal, we would scrape all the food into this trash can. And uh, not, not paper, not anything else, just food. And there was a guy who came every two days and he picked up these big trash cans of leftover food and, and he took it to his pigs, okay? That, that, that's, that, that's what they did. And on a couple of occasions, he said to me, Mike, I don't have anybody to help me get this loaded or unloaded. Would you come with me and help me? <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared for that, okay? And, and so we lifted the, these things up into his truck. And when we rounded the corner, he was only about a mile from the camp. And when we rounded the corner into where the pigs were, they went hog wild, I'll just tell you. That was funny, wasn't it, okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell you it was, even though you may not think so, okay? But, but they, they, just, I mean, they, just, they just started squealing, and they, they started rooting. I mean, they were snorting, and they were so excited. We'd back the truck up, and we'd push it in. And they would just go crazy eating it. They were enjoying it so much. They're headed to the slaughter, though. That's the pig pen, folks. I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to expect a preacher to tell you, but you know what? Sin is enjoyable. Can I get an amen? No, we wouldn't name in that, but I want you to hear what, what, what it talks about Moses in, in Hebrews 11 and verse 25. He says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy fleeting, the fleeting pleasure of sin. Did you get that? The fleeting pleasure. Why? Because there's a slaughter coming. Are you with me? Because there's a slaughter coming. There's a biblical word. I'm going to teach you a biblical word. We don't use it today. Debauchery, okay? Debauchery. Let me kind of explain debauchery this way it's when we sin to the point of becoming a part of the evil empire, it's when we sin to the point that we are consumed, okay? And that's the pig pen. And and, and when we're consumed in that way, let let me tell you how it works. Addictions. If you're addicted, you know what happens? You get to the point where it grasps a hold of you so much that you're going to cheat. You're going to lie. You're going to steal. You're going to become a part of the evil kingdom. And it's going to pull you under. Why? Because it wants you to be a part of that. That's the slaughter. How about materialism? Materialism. I've known people that have gotten so wrapped up in the stuff of earth that they are literally borrowing money. They are borrowing money from one credit card to the next to have stuff to impress people that they don't even know or don't even like. But that's what materialism does, and they're headed to the slaughter. I could keep on going down a whole list of things. Pride. Boy, pride can get a hold of you. I I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody. Until the point that they find themselves completely in the pig pen and they're headed to the slaughter. This is what I'm going to tell you right now. If you find yourself in a pig pen, do everything you can to get out because the slaughter is coming. Are you with me? Two things the Savior is waiting for. One, for us to come to our senses. And two, for us to get out of the pig pen. Sometimes, folks, we get comfortable being in the pig pen. And we begin to identify with the pigs. And if you're there, call out for help. Call out for help. So we're going to come to our senses. We're going to get out of the pig pen. And then we're going to return to the Father. That's what the Savior is waiting for. Let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is simply returning to the Father and walking with Him. Repentance is simply returning to the Father. When we've gone away from the Father, and now we say, I'm going to go back with Him. I'm going to walk with Him. I want to be with Him. I want Him to have control of my life. That's repentance. It's when you and I say, I realize that I've been in the pig pen. I want out. Get me out of here. And then you're ready to come back to the Father. Romans 2.4. I want you to see what it says. I think we need to just understand this. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. We looked at Second Peter 3.9. It says God's not slow concerning His promises. That's because He's kind. That's because He's graceful. And He was giving us every possible chance to return to Him. Well, when I I think about this, this returning to the Father, there is one thing you need to understand. He's waiting. We sang, run to the Father. And uh, I I thank Will for pointing that song out to me. And you know what? I I make you this promise. If you're in the pig pen and you get out and you run to the Father, He's going to be running to meet you. Now, I want to, you, you guys won't understand this, but in the Jewish tradition, once you were about 30, it was undignified to run. And if you've seen me run at 65, it's pretty undignified, okay? Uh, uh, you know, I, I'll just tell you, it's not pretty. But that father was willing to be undignified because he loved that son so much, he would do absolutely anything to reach him. Savior's waiting. Our Father is waiting for us to return to Him. One more thing He's waiting for. And that's for us to join the resurrection celebration. Waiting for us to join the resurrection celebration. I, I, I got to tell you, his son, he says, was dead, but now he's alive. His son was lost, but now he's found. And, and it really is a celebration. John 5 and, and, and verse 24, this is what it says. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their, for their sins, but they've already passed from death into life. Already passed from death into life. That's us, folks. That's us. We have the resurrection already because we have Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to be celebrating about that. And we need to be excited about that. I can always tell when somebody understands who Jesus Christ is. I can always tell when somebody has Jesus in their heart because they can't sit still. Because they've got to tell somebody. Because when we sing about the Father, they get excited about the Father. And when they leave this building, they're excited about Him. And they want to tell people about Him. You see, that's the celebration that is just born in us because we were dead. And when you're dead and you get alive, can I tell you what happens? You get a little excited. <laughs> and when you're lost and you get found, you live differently. You live differently. When I first came to Northridge, almost 13 years ago now, um, a strange thing happened. I I didn't... Celebrate baptism the way they did, and I guess I messed up their celebration. We'd have a baptism, and then we would sing a song, and uh, then we'd sit back down, and we'd look like somebody just shot our dog, and uh, and uh, so I, you know, so we had a baptism. I stood up and started clapping, and uh, after about the third time of that, and you know, I believe that we need to celebrate that because that's a resurrection that's happening. I, I had three people that came to me. Okay. It was a conspiracy. I'll just tell you what it was. Because they all came and they said, "Micah, uh, we're a little concerned about the baptisms. Uh, it's pretty irreverent what you're doing. And I, I said, wow. I said, have you ever read Luke 15? When something that's lost is found, all of heaven erupts. It happens three times, folks. They haven't complained anymore. I, I don't know but I'm just going to tell you if you can't get excited about somebody coming to Jesus we're going to toe tag you and ship you off okay our gods our God is waiting for us to get excited about him and celebrate the resurrection here's the sermon of sentence I want to remind you of again God is waiting God is waiting The Lord isn't slow about his promise as some think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I'm so thankful for that. At the end of this passage, can I just tell you what happens? (laughs) And I love the way the one version says, and so the party began. They had a party. The fatted calf was killed. I mean, they they brought out the food. They were excited. What we're about to do here in these next few minutes is we call it the Lord's Supper. We call it communion. And can I tell you what it looks forward to? It looks forward to the Lamb's wedding feast. There's going to be a day when my God... I mean, he is going to throw a party like you have never seen because we step into heaven. And this is just a little taste of it. It reminds us that Jesus, that Jesus has made this way possible through his body and blood and that our sins are forgiven and that there is something better. And you're going to hear about that something better next week called heaven. So in these next few minutes, We're in this revelation and response. This is a time for you to respond. And there are stations on the back, right back here on the aisle and right up front where you can go to get communion. And then you can come back to your seat when you're ready and partake. We're gonna go into a quieter song, a song you will remember. And then I'm gonna come back with another challenge for you to respond. But right now we just get to respond to our Savior and spend just a few minutes communing with him and loving Him. And looking forward to that day, looking forward to that day when we get to have a meal with Him in heaven. Father, in these next few minutes, I simply ask that You draw us close. Father, I pray that we will draw close because I know the promise is that if we will draw close, You will draw close. So Father, as we take communion, as we respond to Your love, as we know that you're waiting, I just ask you just make yourself known to us in a way that will change us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at